0: Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. Support for this show comes from Inner Engineering, a program to empower every human being with the tools for well-being from the distilled essence of yogic sciences. Visit www.innerengineering.com to learn more.
1: From Spirituality and Health Magazine, this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today is Dr. Alan Hamilton. A graduate of Harvard Medical School, Dr. Hamilton has held professorships in neurosurgery, radiation oncology, psychology, and electrical and computer engineering at the University of Arizona. He currently serves as executive director of the Arizona Simulation Technology and Education Center, a multidisciplinary think tank at the Arizona Health Sciences Center. His second book, Zen Mind, Zen Horse, The Science and Spirituality of Training Horses, won the Nautilus Gold Award in 2012, and an excerpt from his newest book, Lead with Your Heart, Lessons from a Life with Horses, appeared in the September-October issue of Spirituality and Health Magazine. Dr. Hamilton, welcome to Essential Conversations.
2: Well, thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. I, I have a copy of Lead With Your Heart in front of me. I certainly have a copy of the essay that was uh, you know, the excerpt from the book in the magazine. And I took a look also, because uh, I'm just fascinated by what you do, uh, with Zen Mind, Zen Horse. So I've got lots of questions. Probably I don't want to get lost in the weeds with this, but <laughs> I, I know nothing about neuroscience and even less about horses, so i think I think you'll be able to inform uh you know to i don't think I'll, I'll say anything that will stump you. <laughs> so let me start with this. In the spirituality and health excerpt, it's called "Peace Lessons from a War Horse." you open with your grandfather's teaching that human beings are at our core fundamentally predatory. I just love that. At our core, we are fundamentally predatory. Then you say that our predatory nature today is literally killing our planet. And what we desperately need to do is to honestly confront ourselves as predators and then deal with that fact of of our existence. So I need you to unpack this a bit for us. What do you mean when you say that we are fundamentally predators?
2: Well, let me see if I can give you an analogy, which is sort of how I work. I sort of start with the animal world and the horse world, and then I kind of look at my life and the lessons that apply. So let me see if I can give you an analogy. Um, If you think about thoroughbred racing, you think the horses start off in this claustrophobic box, the gate. Their gate swings open. They all kick off. They're all running. They're all trying to see if they can get to the front of the pack because that's the safest place to be at the the lead and you know the meantime they're getting their rumps whipped and everything else and then they get across the finish line and everybody goes okay now it's all over and they all go now if i contrast that with the pound race okay same thing start but now the greyhounds have to have a mechanical rabbit to chase around the track that's the fundamental difference because horses are motivated by the notion of peace and tranquility. And the idea is the best life gets is being out in a pasture with a few buddies. And as far as the eye can see, there's no threat. The predator has to get something. We have to be going after something. We have to be looking to acquire something. And so so in a way, it's, it's almost like the, the predator's all wrapped up in the idea of what do I get? What's in it for me? Um, While the, while the horse is really after, when do we get to this moment of peace and tranquility where the pressure's off? And um, it's, that's really, you know, you know, it's, 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 we say, if you want to be different, you have to see different. Well, you know, seeing the world through the eyes of a prey animal is a very different perspective than seeing it through the eyes of a predator. And and what the what the prey says is, look, we have to be members of a herd. We have to have a communion. We have to be thinking of what's the common good for all. And the predator is always saying, no, it's eat what you kill. Who cares what happens to the other guy? As long as I am fed, that's what matters. And so it's it, you know if you think about the, we've been very successful as predators. We're the uber predator of the planet, but we've gotten to the point where that strategy over the last two million years, uh, especially the last, you know, 250,000 years has really run its course.
1: So the, really, it, it, just listen to what you're saying, and I'm, I'm thinking about this predator and prey. There's no one who's really, no animals really preying on us. We prey on ourselves, right? I mean, it's gotten to the point where we are our own worst enemy, it seems like.
2: We are, and in, in and in the process, we have first off, we've predated on everything on the planet, whether it be the natural resources or uh, the the uh, the life forms on this planet. I mean, we're uh, you know we're facing uh, mass extinction, unlike anything that has happened in sixty five million years since a meteor hit the planet. Um, you know, so so ninety percent of the species are disappearing because of us. But the other thing is we don't stop there. We, we prey on our own species. Um, you know, so, so if, you, if you think that, you know, three and a half million children will die of starvation this year, literally, um, while a whole part of the world has an abundance of resources. So, you know, in, in, in essence, the, the, the herd animals are saying, when are you going to change your perspective? This, this strategy that you've been playing, yes, it's been wildly successful. But, um, you know, it's run its course. You've devoured the planet. You're killing each other. You're wiping out the life forms on the planet. And you're going to have to start thinking as a herd if you want to survive.
1: Okay, that sounds nice. But this is built into our evolutionary psychology. So is it possible? I, I mean, I have two questions, I guess. One, is it possible that our nature is such that we are an evolutionary dead end that we eventually will, um, you know, we'll become predators upon our own species until there's none of us left or so few of us left that we no longer impact the rest of the planet. And if that isn't the case, or if we're trying to not do that, how do we change our essential, you know, DNA, this predatory nature? We just can't say, okay, I, you know, I was a predator, now I'm a cow. I mean, is,
2: that's not. Is that possible? <laughs> I, I I agree with you. I, I I think there's two there's two questions in there. The first is um, yes, it is in our DNA. Um, but you have to remember, we have made a lot of changes. We have basically bypassed DNA. In in, in other words, it takes uh, it takes a hundred thousand years for us to bring about. Uh, mutation five to six hundred generations to give you some idea of a of a biologic mutation, but you know it, 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 so so uh, you know if you think about it, um, if the if the Earth is warming up, let's say um, uh, something like a fruit fly can adapt to that very very quickly. We won't not in one hundred years, not in five hundred years, not in ten thousand years. So what do we do? We say okay, I need to build more air conditioning. We have bypassed the force of nature largely because of our intellect, our language abilities as predators. So, so we have to say, yes, it's in our DNA, but we have a pluripotential brain that allows for us to look at things and make decisions and anticipate the risk. So we know, for example, that the earth is warming up. We know that if we could stop all carbon emissions today, it would take a thousand years to get the carbon dioxide out of our environment that we've put in in the industrial age. But we know that's happening. So we turn around and say, can I change my predatory nature? Well, you know, as anybody says, if you want to start global, you start local. You start with yourself. You say, can I change my predatory nature? And one of the things the horse says is, yes, you can. You can if you're mindful. You can if you're aware. And one of the things is I can teach you how to become more mindful of your predatory attitude. And horses are great at tuning into when human beings get predatory um, and they sort of turn off and they go, no, 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 you're not thinking about me anymore in our partnership. You're thinking about what you can get out of this. And that's where the partnership begins to break down.
1: So I like the idea. You know, the, the horse is our guru here. Um, but I'm, I just have a lot of trouble accepting the fact that we'll do this. I mean, even if we start local. So I start with myself. Uh And I make whatever changes, you know, I get myself a horse, so Mr. Ed can talk to me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Uh, And I start to make changes in myself. If it's going to take a thousand years to clean the CO2 out of the atmosphere, don't you think it's, in a sense, it's too late that we can't, Mm -hmm. obviously not. You're hopeful and I'm just skeptical.
2: Well, I mean, you know, we have this ball, this beautiful blue ball that we're on and it's earth. The likelihood that we'll get out of this solar system is pretty small. I mean, it's possible, but it's pretty small. And I go back to George Carlin who says, Don't worry about Earth. She'll shake us off like a bad case of fleas if she has to. You know, right. well, that's what um, I think. you know, we're this is our spaceship. We're, you know, as as Carl Sagan said, this is our spaceship, is this planet. So at a certain point, we're gonna go, wait a minute, we've got to change. So let me go back to local. Let me go back to the, the horse. Now, not everybody has to get a horse. <laughs> okay, what, I'm, what I'm saying is <laughs> the lessons that you can learn from a horse can be applied in your in your life. Okay, so for example, what happens when you learn to clear your mind and breathe? Okay, so it's very hard for me to tell if somebody's cleared their mind and is really, truly letting the energy drain out of their body. But I can watch what happens to a horse. And say, now you've got it. Because when you truly drain all the energy out of your body, that horse will come to a stop. That horse will be on the, on the rail around pen, and he'll come towards you. And if you don't believe me, go take a look on YouTube. You'll see a whole bunch of videos that I shot. You'll see there's one recently on my website where there's a horse that just got bitten by a bee or a fly or something. And he's really worked up. And I just show on the video how I can just calm that horse down by using my breath and slowing myself down. And, you know, as Peter Matheson said in The Snow Leopard, um, the very breath we take is the lesson that all great teachers have been trying to show us. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, you know, what the horse is doing is saying you were connected to all the life forms around you. All skills to reach out and be in communion with all of that are still there.
0: At eomega.org/thrive.
2: You just have to become more aware, and one of the things is the horse is a great teacher. There are many other teachers. People learn from nature. That you know, I'm not saying you have to. You have to have a horse to do this. I'm just saying the horse is a vivid, uh, graphic reminder as a teacher because the horse says. I'll show you what happens when you change what's going on inside your mind and inside your body.
1: Okay. So, I mean, you know, getting a horse, that was, I was trying to be funny. I know, I know, I know. But uh, let me try it. Let let me take another thing that you can learn from horses or that I guess found absolutely fascinating. This is from your book, Zen Mind, Zen Horse. It's It's a quote. For humans, the absolute unwavering honesty demonstrated by horses can be a terrible threat. That's because as humans, we are born liars. So let, let me, I, mean, I just love this, the way you put these things. So we are predators and we are liars. Um, how do we deal with, first of all, let me ask you this. Are we the only species that lies?
2: You know, um, it, 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 it's an interesting question. So, so let me go from the, the the horse to the dog. It's interesting that in Native American folklore, as I as said in Zen minds and horse, those are the two animals that the creator at the very last minute put to stand alongside the two leggeds. So, 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 so can can animals be deceitful? Well, not really. I mean, a horse doesn't pretend to be your friend so you get in real close so he can knock your block off. Okay. The horse is going to say, I don't feel friendly towards you. And I'm giving you every sign of that. Dogs can be a little sneaky. For example, my dog won't reach up onto the counter and take my sandwich when I'm standing right there. Okay. But he'll wait till I'm out of the room and then he'll look and then he'll go, okay, now it's not that he's a liar. He just understands, Hey, that alpha dog is out. So now I can grab the scraps of food. The thing is that animals don't deceive. They, 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 they really don't have this agenda of, you know, I, I'll trick you into doing something, okay? They, they they present themselves really as they feel, and nobody more than, a, no animal more than a horse. Even when you're scared of a horse, the wonderful, beautiful thing about their honesty is they go, then be scared of me. That's okay. But don't think I don't know that you're scared of me. So, you know, I, I've dealt with people who are completely phobic about horses. So I'll start off with, can we stand outside the round then? Are you okay with that? Great. Okay. Can we stand 20 feet away if you're right behind me? Great. You know, then I work. I said, can I touch the horse while you stand right behind me? Great. But every step of the way, I go, don't ever do anything that you feel uncomfortable with because the horse knows it right away. So every step of the way, we have to be honest and say, am I comfortable with this? And it's a refreshing thing because you don't have to lie about yourself. You don't have to lie about yourself to anybody else. You don't have to lie to yourself.
1: So I don't know if you can answer this briefly, but what is the evolutionary benefit of being a liar?
2: Well, you have to remember that very often it allows us to, if I can lie to you and steal something that I need and steal a resource, then I have a better chance of getting my genes into the, gener- into the next generation. One of the things that, where lying came about is because we have this incredible capacity for language. Language has taken us over completely. And with language, we acquire the ability to lie. We acquire the ability to misdirect people through the verbal descriptions. And, you know, think about it. When is, do you and I mistrust somebody when what the, comes out of their mouth does not line up with what's coming out of their body? So, and I go wait, that isn't exactly what they feel. They they're not they're not telling the truth. So lying allows us to
1: take your sandwich without having you to yep. be having you leave the room first.
2: And not only that, when you come back in the room, uh, or if you if you turn away, I'll go, I, I don't know who took it. It must have been that guy over there. It <laughs> no, wasn't it was, me. You it know, was I would blame yeah, the dog. It was the dog. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So I mean this is, Excuse this me this while is, I
2: wipe my mouth, but it was the dog. Yeah, right. It was the
1: dog. <laughs> So, I mean, this is really fascinating. And as always on this show, we're going to run the clock and it's it's really annoying. So I want to make this, I want to bring up another aspect of this that you raised in the Spirituality and Health Magazine article that I think is apropos just because it's uh, we're a week away from the United States presidential election. And yes. in the article, you said, training horses teaches us that we must be of service to the horse, the trainer must be of service to the horse. And then you expand it, and you say, "Leaders must show that they will put the welfare of their partners, the herd, in front of their own. So we're about to elect a new president of the United States without picking sides or you know, talking about spe- uh, individuals. Do you get the sense that politicians in general or you know, the, the presidential candidates in particular, are really willing to put the welfare of the herd, you know, the country, ahead of themselves? Are?
2: Well, I I want you to think about the people who inspire us the most, Um, the ones who inspire us the most, but usually the ones who somehow connect with us and make us feel like they understand our problems. Um, You know, one of the things that's interesting to me about herds is if you become the alpha mayor, um, you have to go out and scrounge food, but you have to look for food for everybody. It isn't enough for you to go, I got here first and that was great. Sorry, you guys didn't have enough. And same thing with water and the, and the lead mayor always pushes the herd off to the side and confronts the danger herself. So she earns the right to be, she is, she is basically the leadership mantle is bestowed upon her by the herd because she has demonstrated that she will put her interests behind theirs. She will risk herself. And one of the things the horse looks for in a trainer is, are you willing to, when we confront things that spook me and make me feel uh, uh, like I want to flee because that's my major defense. Am I going to see you exposing yourself to that danger first? Wow. Okay. So that makes a horse go, okay, well, if you're, you know, so if I say, look, I know you're afraid of walking on this tarp, let me put my foot on it first. Then I can train that horse to walk across that tarp because the horse says he put himself at risk first.
1: Right? Well, look, I, I absolutely get it. I think it's beautiful what you're saying. And I don't think there's a politician who's about to do that. When there's a danger, they go behind the young people and send them off to face it. And yes. you know, it's totally different.
2: And, you know, I'm, I'm and go I, I was thinking the, the other day that uh, Bob Kerry uh, was, on, was on, you know, and he is a Congressional Medal of Honor winner. And I thought, well, it would I, I talking to somebody who's won the Congressional Medal of Honor, if that person is talking to me about what are men and women in uniform and I'm a veteran myself. You know, that that person is is talking directly to me, not as as that somebody who's who's really understood the dangers that we expose our men and women in uniform to. So I, I think that's one of the things that we were looking for is um, enough with the shows of bravado, enough with the talk and trying to make us uh, believe what we you know that what you're saying instead of what we're feeling, I think that's one of the big disconnects in this year's election is we look at these the the two candidates and we go, this isn't registering as completely authentic with me. and And you know, that's um, an important part of the trust issue. So I think you know, with a yeah. horse, yeah. the horse goes, if you're not, if you're in this for yourself, I'll know it right away.
1: Well, very, very interesting. We're going to have to leave it there because we are out of time. But uh, for anyone who was listening who was thinking about moving to Canada, just move to a ranch <laughs> with horses. Just live with horses. That's that's your your best bet. My guest today was Dr. Alan Hamilton. He's the uh, author of "Lead with Your Heart: Lessons from a Life with Horses." An excerpt from the book appears in the September, October issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about Dr. Hamilton's work at his website, alanhamilton.com. Alan, thank you so much for speaking with us on Essential Conversations. This was absolutely Are you fascinating. Thank you for having me, really, truly. Well, it was our pleasure. Thanks. Support for this show comes from Inner Engineering, a program to empower every human being with the tools for well being from the distilled essence of yogic sciences. Visit www.innerengineering.com to learn more. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of spirituality and health magazine. Please log into spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our program coordinator and executive producer is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show.